What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan, and I'm the host of the Budge Trek Podcast. If you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and please leave us a review. But before we dive in, I want to talk about our sponsor. Are you a business owner and struggling to manage the finances behind your business? Or maybe you're spending endless amounts of time trying to determine the overall financial direction. If so, I want to acknowledge my company, Financial Automation. Through the creation of custom financial dashboards to financial consulting to financial literacy education, we're committed to helping entrepreneurs take control of the finances behind their businesses. If you're interested in learning more, go to www.financialautomation.co and book your free strategy call. Now, onto the show. What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Budget Track Podcast, and today we have a very special guest. He is the president of Related ISG International Realty and the host of the Closer Club, Alex Vidal. Alex, what's going on, man? Hey, Brady. Thanks for having me, man. It's, it's uh, like you. I have my own podcast. It's fun being on this side of the uh, on this side of the mic. I thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Did, did I pronounce your last name right? You said it. Per- it's like Vidal Sassoon. No relation, though. But, awesome. Uh, I wish. Awesome, man. Yeah, you said you said it perfectly. <laughs> awesome, man. So before we dive in, I want to give the newer listeners a little bit of insight into what Budget Trek actually is. So it began as me and my wife's journey to reaching financial freedom, documenting the successes, the struggles. But as I started interviewing really successful individuals, I wanted to talk about their struggles and how it propelled them to where they are today. That's where we're at today. We have Alex here. Before we dive into your story, I always ask this preliminary question. What is the dumbest thing you have ever spent money on? Uh, dumbest thing I ever spent money on was real estate. And I'm a real, and I'm a real estate guy. <laughs> um, and, it, and it wasn't because it was real estate itself. It was because of the way I bought it. It was back in uh, 2005. You know, everybody thought the market was never going to go down, um, and I and I bought this particular townhome, uh, which I loved, uh, with a negative amortization mortgage. And um, for those who don't know what a negative amortization mortgage is, you make a mortgage payment, you have interest, and you have principal. The interest goes to the bank as their fee for lending you the money. Uh, the principal is what you you know use to pay down your loan. So back in the day, you had this thing called a negative amortization mortgage, which meant that you didn't even pay the interest on the loan. So if my interest was, let's say, 3000 a month on the loan, I, my payment was actually not even including the principal. My payment that month was only, let's say, 1500 And so the, the difference between my payment and the actual minimal interest uh, would be then tacked on to the loan. So my mortgage would actually go up every single month. Um, <laughs> And I was a dumbass thinking, well, you know, the market's always going to go up. At that time, it was appreciating, you know, 20, 25% year over year. I'm like, it doesn't matter how much gets tacked on to my mortgage, the property's always going to go up. And, and that later doomed me financially uh, for a little bit. And so I would tell you, I, I, I'm still a big fan of real estate. I own real estate now. Um, but at the time, that was the dumbest thing I ever, I ever bought. That, that's interesting considering you're, uh, you're in real estate today. But yeah. it was the way I bought it. Exactly. Exactly. And we're going to get into that because I think that's a very interesting story. But before we do that, I want to hear more about your story, how you got to where you are today, how you even got into real estate. So let's talk about Alex from day one. Yeah, well, we'll take it not from day one, but we'll take it from when I was 19. So I'm 41. um, And at 18, I uh, met this girl right out of high school. She was like in the Miss Venezuela pageant, beautiful girl, whatever, whatever. Long story short, I ended up getting her pregnant. And uh, so I had my first son. I have four boys. Um, one with her and with my wife. Now I have a 13 year old and, and uh, 10 year old twins. And um, so I had a son at 19, 
needed a job. And essentially at the time, you know, I was farming out my resume to everybody and their mother. I mean, you could have literally been asking to be a CPA. And here I am, a 19-year-old kid sending you my resume. <laughs> and um, long story short, it ended up being that I have a choice between two jobs. One was selling advertising at the Miami Herald, which was a, a job that my mom got me because she had been at the Herald for like, at, at, by the time she retired, she was there 51 years uh, or 50-something years. And the other one was to go be the assistant to the president of the largest real estate company in Florida. And the only reason I took that job was because it was a job that I got on my own versus a job that somebody else got me. Right. And, um, and that's how I fell into real estate. And, you know, quickly there was a hole in the donut, which was, he was always complaining about recruiting agents and losing agents, started helping him recruit agents. And within eight months I was actually promoted to their recruiting director at 19 and then traveled. And I, I became the recruiting director for some of the biggest uh, real estate companies in the country uh, not only in Florida, but in California and in Colorado as well. Um, and I've done recruiting. I was the secretary. I've been a sales coach. I've been a sales manager. Uh, sales, um, halfway through that, I actually eventually got into sales. Um, and then I took over my brokerage in 2014. Uh, at the time, we had two offices and about 40-something agents. And uh, now, fast forward, we're five offices and uh, close to 500 realtors. Wow. So that, that's a big jump going from assistant to the president to the actual president. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, well, there was a lot of years. I became right. the president at 36. So okay. there was a lot of time. The, the, the flow was uh, recruit secretary, became the recruiting director for this company called Kai's. Then I got recruited out to California and did it out in California. Got separated from my 19-year-old's mother back then. I was like 21. Came back, did it for Colorado, did it for um Prudential, Florida real estate here. Um, and then in 2004, things shifted a little bit. And I said, I'm tired of recruiting. I want to I wanna run an office. And they told me, well, you've never managed an office, so you can't manage it, but we'll train you on how to train salespeople. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, cool. And they're like, yeah, they're brand new agents. They won't know the difference. And 2004 through, for 2004, I was training brand new agents on essentially how to make more money than me. And that's when I got into sales. And then five, six, seven into eight when the market crashed, I was doing sales, got recruited to, Cal uh, to Colorado to create the recruiting division for, for uh, the Prudential franchise in Colorado. Came back because that guy reopened in Florida. He brought me back to Florida. Yeah, so there was, there was a, a lot of uh, risk taking and all that, a lot of change in positions, same field, same industry, but you know, different, different opportunities. And, um, and then eventually it all prepared me I think to become the president of my, of my company now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so do you have an assistant now that you say, I Hey, I was in your shoes, you know, 20 something not, years ago. Not only do I have an assistant now, but I have my son who's now 22 working for me. Wow. And he works in our marketing department and I'm, if it wasn't for coronavirus, we'd be doing this right now. Um, I had just started putting the plan together to tell him, listen, you're not making enough money working on my marketing department. Let me teach you how to recruit, the brand new agents getting into the business. And then, you know, so once we're able to circle back into, uh, into the offices again, I'll, I'll bring them back under my wing and, and teach them what's going on. Yeah. I think that's definitely a cool piece to having someone that, uh, you've obviously seen grow up work for you and you can see them grow within that company too. I think that's probably a really special thing, but let, let's switch gears here because you brought up the coronavirus and obviously everyone is freaking out. 
Yeah. So how can the people that aren't freaking out and that are hungry for more take advantage of the real estate market today? Well, you have to find out where the opportunities are. It's funny. Everybody thinks that there's opportunities in the real estate market as a result of the coronavirus. And right. I can't speak and I can't speak for what's happening in the country or in the world. I can only speak for what's happening in South Florida and, and essentially my region, let's say, is Palm Beach County, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, what, what we call Southeast Florida. And we haven't seen it yet. We've actually, we've, over the last two weeks, we've been able to book as many pending deals. Uh, we've been able to put, uh, book as many new listings coming into the market. Um, we're, we're starting to see some of the cancellations as a, as a result of people just, you know, fearful of the stock market, fearful of, of um, what's going to happen to the economy and all that. So we really haven't seen the opportunities there yet. To the contrary, what we're seeing are interest rates so low, the buyers that were on the market already are coming back and actively still looking at real estate. You have the buyers who were on the fence um, taking advantage of interest rates being so low, no longer in the fence, and now they're in the pool playing along. And the savvy sellers are taking advantage right now, getting their properties ready for those buyers and putting them on the market. Um, and so there's no real opportunities as of yet. Uh, I think the bigger opportunities are actually for the realtors to use this mm -hmm. as an opportunity to follow up with their clients um, and just really check in with them. And I, I don't think this really is just a realtor specific. I think you can do this in any industry. Right. If, you call, if you call and check in on somebody, you're doing a few different things. Um, and I actually joked that the other day I checked in with 50 of our top agents and I went for a walk while I was doing it. Um, and I ended up walking 6.23 miles <laughs> making, making the call. So I was able to take advantage of not only getting exercise, which is for me, I do CrossFit and triathlon. So let's say just additional exercise while right. I really check in with somebody and it's like, Hey Brady, how you doing? Listen, I know I'm a realtor, whatever, forget all that. How you doing? Is there anything I can do for you? Or if you're older, hey, can I go to Publix or the grocery store for you, get you anything? I'm just checking in on you. And what that does is it really allows the client to realize that, A, you really do care about them. Mm -hmm. But B, as a realtor, you're going to get a pulse on what's happening in their business or in their life. Um, and is there a life event happening currently or is there a life event on the horizon that's going to indicate to you whether or not they are going to need your service? Right. Uh, because if coronavirus has done anything, it's actually shown that customers need the services of a realtor now more than ever before um, because they don't want strangers walking through their house. They need the video technology to do the, the virtual open houses or the virtual video tours before somebody walks in you know, and all that stuff. So to us, it's actually it's, it's going to help our business, I think. How, how do you think like what are the changes do you think are going to happen along the way? Cause I don't think we have hit really hit the peak yet. They keep saying it's going to get, keep getting worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. Do you see the whole real estate market just dropping completely or do you no. think it, it'll never hit that point? No, I don't. I mean, Grant, I've been, I've been wrong before. So a couple of things, people need to realize that the cases are going to go up because it, and it's directly proportional to the amount of tests that are happening. So mm -hmm. everybody wants to look at it and say, Oh my God, these cases are doubling. They're tripling or whatever. Those cases already are there. It just happens to be that they're being reported today because more people are being tested. Right. So really read the data and understand that, yes, the cases are going up, but the, test, the amount of tests are also going up. So they're going to go up proportionally, right? Mm -hmm. Now, in our business, I think what you're going to see the shift is you're no longer going to have the realtors putting, taking a listing and putting one or two photos on the property. You're going to see the 35, 50, 60 photos of a property. 
you're going to see the video virtual tours. You're going to see new 3D technology of like an aerial perspective of the home, a bird's eye view. And so those are now going to become, I think, new check marks before anybody's allowed into your home. You're going to say, listen, did you see the photos? Did you see the virtual tour? Did you see the bird's eye view? Yes. Did you like everything? Okay. Now I'm going to allow you into my home versus right. just setting up a bunch of showings and, and all that stuff. Um, and in the reality is, you know, even when the market crashed in 08, there was a, a, a ton of business being done. And so there's going to be a ton of business being done now. The question is by who? Is it by end users? Is it by investors? But there's always business being done. Right. And, and for realtors, it's great because this is kind of like the market crash and I think coronavirus both will do something, which is the cleansing of the crappy realtors. Mm -hmm. um, there, were six, there, there are 60,000 realtors in Dade and in Broward County alone, which is Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's overly saturated. So if 80% if of those realtors left, it would be a beautiful thing. Right. Um, and, and then, and then you're going to have the same amount of business being done because those 20% are going to absorb the one-offs that those 80% were doing. Um, and so, and there are people that I, I had a guy on my own podcast last week, he does 200 closings a, a year. And he's like, listen, you just got to find the people that have a motivation that's bigger than the fear mm -hmm. and people will always have to move and all that. And I think that's, if you can find those people and you put in the work, to do those, to find those people, you'll be fine. The other thing he said was by virtue of what, like what we're doing, I don't, where are you based, Brady? I'm in Nashville. Okay. So you're in Nashville, right? I'm in Miami. We're here. We are talking now. If all of a sudden I can take listings, um, spread out throughout Dayton, Broward County, where I no longer have to get in my car to go meet with a seller, but now I can do it via a zoom video conference or whatever. I think people's nets of the areas that they specialize in are going to spread as well. Mm -hmm. And that'll help people stay in business too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of interesting things there. Cause I, I think what we're going to see through all this coronavirus thing, not just for real estate, but other, other aspects of businesses, the technology, the, te the technology's there, but I think we're being forced to use it now. You know, oh, yeah. zoom has been around for a while. I've been, I've been using it for a while, but just now people are like, Oh, this is zoom. No more Skype. I'm like, zoom has been around for a long time. Yeah. You just haven't you used it. I didn't do going to be more efficient in, in, I think in the day to day of their business because they are not having to drive to meetings and then drive back and then go through traffic. It's like, Hey, I'm going to do a 30 minute meeting. I'm done. 30 minute meeting done. And Correct. so on. So we, it's funny cause I had never done a zoom meeting with my staff until January of this year. Really? L little did I know. And actually for my show, I do them all in person. So I was traveling, you know, I had gone to LA six times. I got to New York five times, Raleigh, Dallas, um, Vegas, Aspen. And so it, you know, now all of a sudden I'm shifting and I'm doing my, my show via Zoom conference. Right. And, and I think there are certain things that will stay on the Zoom play. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also do think that some things are going to revert back to that face-to-face, that -face, belly to belly, palm to palm. Um, I think actually probably maybe even more than before because people are going to realize like, hey, I can meet with Brady via Zoom. But there's a lot that people are going to look at and say, man, I really didn't realize how important that face-to-face, belly-to-belly, palm-to-palm connection is. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. So, so do you think that specifically for real estate, it will be better when we are able to talk to people face-to-face? Because -face? I feel like, like you said, there's more of a connection there rather than through a screen. I think so. I, I think I don't think there's anything you could ever do that replaces the face-to-face, belly-to-belly, palm-to-palm. And mm -hmm. I know, and I'll just I'll do virtue of my show. I'll go back to that. So I just filmed episode number ninety-nine. 
Um, and I actually I dropped it this morning. And it's like I have $11 billion worth of net worth in my phone right now mm-hmm. as a result of, of my show and, and going and meeting these people. Um, and so now I also am a firm believer in persistency and persistence and consistency. So I'm not stopping. And so I'm doing Zoom now as a result and I'm, I'm pivoting the Zoom. But as soon as I can go back to that face-to-face, I'm going back yep. because it sucks getting on a flight to L.A., flying, doing three meetings, and flying right back, not even getting a hotel room. Like, you literally right. land, film three, and fly right back. Um, but, man, you, there's just something about that connection that you can make um, with those people. When you spend time with somebody, you remember them. Mm-hmm. Or in a Zoom, you may or may not necessarily remember them later. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, I've personally done all of mine through Zoom. Uh not that I don't like to travel. I just, it's, but I just don't like to travel that much, I guess. Yeah, I hear <laughs> so, but, uh, but it's okay because like for me, it, for, for what you're doing is you're making those connections for back end business. It seems like for me, I'm making the connections just solely to put the information, the personal other side of the screen has to give to my audience. Sure. So it's kind of a different dynamic there, but, um, well, I think it's, you know, I, I think it's more a function of, and you're right, I, the, the information is getting transmitted, whether it's through Zoom or, or through this. Right. Um, I, I just think that, and, and by the way, I, you're much better at a Zoom interview than I am. Um, <laughs> I personally suck at being on Zoom interviews on, on your side of asking the questions. Um, I tend to just like, my mind tends to wander and, and go, I'm just not good at it. Um, and so for me personally, I think, I, I think in person for me works better. If Zoom did work better for me, and who knows, maybe after this is all said and done, I, I get so good at it that I, I just continue this path. Right. Um, so who knows? Well, there's definitely, I think, advantages to each in person or Zoom. Yeah. It just really depends. But I want to switch gears again because I want to talk about your journey from assistant to president. Sure, so, sure. I mean, that, that, that's a big journey. And granted, it did take 20 or probably under 20 years. Yep. But what were some of the worst struggles – you incurred along that journey and was there ever a point where you asked yourself is this really what i need to be doing right now oh yeah actually i remember in 2012 i got i got completely out of the business for like six months uh because i was working for a broker and i built his company up and i built it from 40 something agents to 300 agents or 50 something agents to 300 and he kept changing my comp plan on me and i'm like i'm done and screw this i'm out of the business and i and i actually went into digital marketing with my best friend I was making more money than I had ever made before, and I was freaking miserable. I was completely miserable. Um, and what that taught me was that no matter how much money you're making, if you really don't enjoy what you're doing, you are going to be miserable. Um, just like now, I know I can go and make more money selling real estate right? And I can being the president of my company. And I do sell real estate from time to time if a friend or a family member reaches out to me, but I'm not out there actively soliciting the business competing against my agents. And so I know I can go make more money selling real estate, but I just, I love running my brokerage. I love being the leader of our company. And, and so actually I'm, I'm loving it more now during coronavirus than ever before, because it's, it's like a true test of your leadership skills, your financial mm-hmm. capability, et cetera. Um, and so that, that, that to me is really one of the biggest lessons I learned along the way, which is if you're doing it for the money, you're going to quickly get burnt out, like really yep. quick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I agree with that for sure. I think there's a lot of people too in the social media world who see people like yourself or people in digital marketing, e-commerce, whatever, making a ton of money. So that's automatically their passion too. 
Well, and you're assuming they make a lot of money based on exactly. what they're putting out there. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's that's something that a lot of people also I, I'm figuring out don't do. They don't do the they don't do the proper due diligence mm-hmm. on on who they're looking to for advice or who they're looking to to, to guide them. Um, and you're kind of seeing that in the coronavirus. Even you're in the coronavirus, you're seeing they're they're just taking the headline. And if you if you take a headline and then actually read the article, you see that the headline is just clickbait, right? Um, and so the, the one thing I learned from a couple people, but it really sticks out from Tom Bilyeu, the founder of Quest Nutrition. Mm-hmm. I asked him, I said, well, how do you know who to take your advice from? You know, and he goes, well, does the person you're taking the advice from do, did what you want to do three times over? And if they did, then, you know, you can take your advice from them. Right. Uh, if they haven't, then, you know, be careful and, and tread lightly based on what you're, what they're telling you. And so you know, you really got to do your due diligence as to the noise that's out there. Because a lot of these people, you're right, they're, they're renting an airplane to take a photo. <laughs> it's like, dude, seriously, just, just be yourself, man. That's you what know? I'm saying, man. It, it's, it's crazy it because uh, a lot of these people, especially on Facebook, like Facebook ads are in whatnot. You see people posing in front of Lamborghinis with girls in bikinis and you're like, oh, that, I want to be that person. It's like, well, they rented that Lamborghini for probably like 20 grand or something like that. Yeah. These girls are probably their friends. <laughs> so it, I just think you're right. I mean, you really have to be careful about who you, who, who you learn from on social media. And I've learned that like people like Tom Billy or Gary V or Grant Cardone, Brad yeah. Lee, they're not, they're not flexing what they have. No, they, they don't care if people know what they have. They do to an extent. Grant, yeah, Cardone does more Grant, so. Grant, Grant Cardone Grant Cardone does. Okay, bad example. The other three. <laughs> Tom Bill, you does it. Brad Lee doesn't. Uh, I haven't had Gary V on. Have you had Gary V on the show? I have not. But but I but just from their content on social media, you can tell like they their value. They're they're truly passionate about what they do. They and, are. I, they are for sure. That I and, that I'll give you. Yeah, and and stuff as a will happen as a result, you know, having that materialistic stuff, but they're not worried about people knowing what they have. I mean, Gary really, he doesn't even talk about his family. He doesn't talk about anything from his personal life. No, he he's says, the one that doesn't talk about shit. And, and he doesn't. The realest one. And so I've had, I've had Grant Cardone on, I've had Bradley on, I've had Tom Bill you on, haven't had Gary V. Um, and, and I will tell you the realest one of them all by far is Brad. Really? And Tom, and Tom, and Tom is like right there with him. Um, and Grant's real, Grant's real, right? Uh, he's the real deal. The guy hustles like nobody's business. But to me, in terms of like straight shooter, what you get, what you see is what you get. There's nobody like Bradley. Yeah. Yeah. Have I you had him, him on the show? I, so I'm actually trying to get him on the show. I got him through Instagram and then, uh, I'm talking to his assistant right now, scheduling it out. Okay. But, uh, I went to an event in Vegas and Bradley was there and he was talking about how, his number one tip for people who are doing sales is to brush your teeth. He says, because the worst thing in the world is if you have bad breath, because they can't think about anything else other than your badass breath in Mm -hmm. their face. And I was like, Bradley, like what you see on social media is literally what you get in person. Yeah. Brad, you know, Brad, I could connect. If you need help, let me know, man. I I talked to Brad frequently. Actually, one of my check-in calls last week was to Brad. Really? Yeah. Um, another great guy you should try to get on is, uh, Bedros Koulian. Bedros yeah. is, and, I, and I'm going to be straight up 99 episodes. He was 80 something. He was, uh, he's my number one. Really? In, in, for me. Um, but with Brad, I was supposed to fly to Vegas. It was either last week or the week before to be on dropping bombs. And okay. I had to cancel it because of the freaking virus. I was so yeah. pissed. I was so looking forward to it. 
Yeah, he's uh he's a good dude. But I mean, out of all these people, you said Vedros. What yeah. was uh what was it that made him so great? I I don't consume as much of his content as like a Grant sure. Cardone or Gary V, but I still see him. Got it. I'll tell you. I don't know if the wind's picking up on the mic or not, so I apologize if it is. Um, the thing with the thing with Pedro's was I, you know, I interviewed him in December, and I pre-recorded it. So I, I flew out to California, and I had uh, I pre-recorded with David Meltzer. Or I aired David Meltzer live actually, and then I interviewed Pedro's, and I interviewed Steve Howard, who's a um, are you hearing the wind, by the way? I can hear it a little good? bit, but it's not too bad. If I need to go inside, let me know. Okay. Um, and, and with Bedros, I was interviewing him at the end of the year, and I didn't. there was like five goals I had for the year, and I hit two of them. I didn't hit the other three. And off camera, we were just talking. He's like, well, why didn't you hit your goals? So one example was I wanted to buy two investment properties last year. Ask me how many I bought. How many did you buy? Zero. Okay. And the reason was in 2013, my wife and I, we had lost it all. Lost it all. And so finally, and then in the second half of 2013, I, I, I went, my back was against the wall and I sold $7 million worth of real estate cold turkey from July 17th, 2013 to the end of the year. And then I never looked back, which thankfully I'm in that position now because if, if shit hit the fan now and I didn't make any money, I'm set for a while. Okay. Right. And so I didn't buy any property. I'm telling Bedros, I'm like, yeah, Bedros, you know, the cap rates were too high or the price was, and I gave him all these excuses and he just looks at me and he's like, dude, you're full of shit. He goes, the reason it didn't happen is your fault. And it was just like one of those things he like, he literally punched me across the face with that. Yeah. And to me, that was like when the, you know, there was a saying when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. That, that's what happened with Bedros. And so for me, it had the, one of the greatest impacts of any of the interviews that, that I've had. Yeah, I think that's huge too. I, I think it really does take, you know, I, th I think, you know, when you're on this journey, it's really easy to lose sight of uh, yourself. You kind of think everything's happening against you rather than for you. Yeah. And uh, when you have that person that just gives you shit and is like, dude, this is you, this is on you. Correct. You, I feel like you finally come into tune with your inner self and you're like, okay, you're right. Like, what am I doing day to day? That's, that's not productive. How much time am I spending on my phone doing nothing or watching right. Netflix or working out? I mean, working out's great, but if you're working out for 10 hours a day, it's like, all right, yeah, you, gotta do, you gotta do something else. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's exactly, it's interesting you say that because everybody's like, oh, take this time now that you're working from home and, and brush up on your skills and, and do this and do that. And that's cool. Mm -hmm. But what I'm finding is people are brushing up on their skills at 12 o'clock in new time. Right. You know, like they're, they're, you, you, can't, you can't be calling people at nine o'clock at night, but you can't be on YouTube brushing up on your skills and consuming mm -hmm. content, right? So like we could, we can maybe do this podcast at nine, but for me, it's going to be really hard when I'm with my family. Right, exactly. But if you're watching this, watch this at nine o'clock at night and go do your, do your stuff, like call your sphere of influence, stay engaged with your company, attend meetings, stuff that you can only do during this time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so people, I keep seeing this over and over again on social media, like, oh, study and read a book and do all this. You know, you have the time. Cool. Do all that. But do that on the off hours. You're on hours. Do it. Do anything that moves your ball forward. If it doesn't yeah. move your ball forward, then, then save it for later. Yeah. You know? No, I, I agree with that too. I mean, that, that's even with my own schedule. You know, I'm, I'm a really big reader. Uh, Dan Flashman just made 100 million Academy free for yeah. a lot of people. So I've been doing that. I was like, well, I, I have so much time during the day now because I'm forced to stay home. I need mm -hmm. to push all that stuff either to the really early morning when I'm not doing anything else yep. or really late at night. 
And like, that's, it's really forced me to get my calendar in check. We're like, okay, from eight to five, eight to six, that's only work talking to people. I got meetings, I got podcast interviews, stuff like that. Sure. But I think there's several other people who are like, Oh, it's free time. I mean, I, 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 no, yeah, not you, not me. And I think people are really going to, uh, I think the productivity that people have now in this time is going to show after this is all over because I think people after this is over are going to start from, you know, square one and we're going to be on square 10, you know, whatever that is because we're already doing it the whole time. And that's what we're preaching to our agents. Like get, you know, they may, maybe business may not be happening today for you for, for a lot of agents. It is, if it's not happening for you, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But put yourself in a position to be connected to everybody Mm -hmm. so that when we're on the downslope of this, things take off and you're in a position to capitalize on that and not getting ready to get ready then. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and that's what I, uh, I was talking to Mikey Taylor. I don't know if you ever interviewed him before. No, he's a ex pro skateboarder entrepreneur now, but we were talking about how people, if you're not in a position right now to capitalize on the market downturn, then use this time to prepare to see what you need to do for the next market downturn. Right. Other, other than just, you know, freaking out saying this is happening against me. I don't know what to do. I don't have the money to invest. I mean, prepare for the next downturn. There's, there's going to be another recession eventually. You just don't know when. That's right. It's funny. I just you said that. Out. I was like, oh shit. First time I buy stocks is right now. Like yeah. I've never owned a stock till this downturn. I'm going to take advantage, you know? Yeah. And I'm you using my to, downtime man. to learn about stocks, talking to my brother who's got a ton of stock and educate mm-hmm. myself and all that. But uh, on the off hours, you know? Exactly. Other than looking at the like, you know, setting your orders and, and, you know, if it hits great, if it doesn't great, you know, exactly, exactly, man. Exactly. So we talked about it a lot and we're going to get, start and get wrapped up, but, uh, throughout this whole journey, you know, from being assistant to president, yeah. what is one piece of advice you could give to someone, uh, maybe a young entrepreneur, a young go-getter and sure. actual actionable advice that they could use today to get, go ahead and get started. Oh, so I'll give you two. Uh, the first thing is recognize that everybody in your life is a, is a teacher, right? Everybody in your life is a mentor and you will, I've had, and it kind of ties into number two. So I've had, I can go through my, my first boss was Mike Pappas mm-hmm. and he's still a dear friend of mine today. Actually, his daughter's married to the vice president of my company, right? Okay. He still owns the largest company in Florida. After him, the guy in California was Rich Cosner. Rich uh, was in California. He actually just moved to Nashville and opened up a Cobalt Banker franchise in Nashville. Um, just now, like in the, over the last couple of weeks. Mm. Um, from him was Roger Herman. Roger, uh, I worked with not only here in Florida, but in, in Colorado and back in Florida. Um, and he just moved back. And I, I just had him on. Um, I'm going to have him on the show. Um, and then after him, it's, it's uh, my boss now. And so I've had four big bosses and my dad was a major influence in my life. So two things, recognize that everybody's a mentor and that everybody's going to teach you a way to do something or how not to do something. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're able to surround yourself and keep yourself with close, good company, these people will help form you as you go along the way. And third, keep your powder dry. Keep your relationships with these people. Don't burn that bridge. My episode 100 uh, which is supposed to air next week, which is not going, I mean, I'm still going to air an episode 100. It's not the one I planned was going to be, then we're going to do it after because I'm this one. I am definitely doing in person. Uh, it was going to be my dad, my first influence on my life. Mike Pappas from guys, rich, uh, Roger and Craig who's my boss now. And so it, wow. it's impressive that I can call on everybody who's been a major influence on my life and not only call on them, but get them together in the same room to do an interview and we had it all booked. Rich was flying down from Nashville and you know, we had to reschedule and um, 
And uh, so keep your powder dry, surround yourself with the right people, recognize that everybody is a mentor. Yeah, even if they're I telling you what, yeah. what to do. Yeah, I think that's going to be key, key advice for a lot of people, especially people just getting started out who are who are looking for a mentor and maybe they've already had one. They just don't recognize it yet because like you said, your dad, like my dad's my mentor from age one to, to now. I mean, he still is ah, absolutely for advice. So I think it's really important for young entrepreneurs out there. Just find somebody, find somebody that you look up to, find somebody that you want to learn from. Find someone like you said, that's done three times over what you want to do. Right. And try to latch yourself onto them and see if you can learn the ropes from them. But uh, Alex, sure I appreciate you, your make time, sure you, man. And make sure you vet them out. Just mm-hmm. vet them out. And, yep. uh, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate yeah. It. Thank you so much, Alex. Where where can my audience find you on social media? You have a website, sure. anything like that? Yeah the uh, the show the show website. You, I mean, I have it. The, the show kind of is on Facebook and you, it's mm-hmm. more on Facebook than YouTube. Uh, but if you want to see all the episodes in one easy place, the YouTube channel is uh, thecloserclub.com. Uh, Instagram, at Vidal, Alex, V as in Victor, I-D-A-L-A-L-E-X. Facebook, Alex Vidal. And uh, that's it, man. Awesome, man. Alex, appreciate your time, man. And we will uh, keep hustling. You got it, brother. You too, man. Stay safe. Yeah, you too. Thanks for listening. I post episodes every Monday and Thursday at 6 a.m. Central Time, and they're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major podcasting platform. Check out our social media linked in the description and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.